I'm Johnny. I'm Heather. I'm Caleb. I'm Lisa. And this is your movie hour. Your Movie Hour is a podcast where we explore the deep truths we can learn from our favorite films and television shows. Today, we're talking about Frozen. Frozen 2. You can find us online at yourmoviehour.com. Please send us an email or voicemail message. We love voicemail messages, though we haven't gotten one yet. Maybe you'll be the first one. Um, But you can email us at yourmoviehour at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Movie Hour, and please join our Facebook group where our community talks about each podcast episode. So just go to Facebook and search for Your Movie Hour Community. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends about us, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you want to support us financially, check out our Patreon where we have cool perks including stickers, mugs, and t-shirts, and even a guest spot on the show. And speaking of Patreon, thank you to our current patrons, Scott and T. We will be sending out personal thank you notes to all our patrons soon, so if you want to get in on that, please check out our Patreon. So, you heard four voices as we signed on. Here's what we're going to tell you to introduce ourselves. Our name, how we spend our time, and our favorite elemental spirit uh, personality from Frozen 2. I'll go ahead and start off. So I am Johnny, and I spend most of my time uh, working on church stuff, uh, trying to figure out, you know, sermons and helping church members and all that stuff. That's how I spend most of my time, I think. My favorite elemental spirit would have to be the uh, the earth spirits uh, in Frozen 2 because they're so big and jolly. That's like the the giants? Yeah. Yeah. Jolly, not angry. <laughs> <laughs> I like the cave nostrils. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Those yes. are my favorite parts. Good character design. Mm. Uh, my name is Heather. I do film stuff. And my favorite elemental spirit would have to be the water horse, of Mm. course, because as longtime listeners know, I like horses. (laughs) The horse, of course. Yes. So, I mean, that, I don't think I could, like, ride an ice water horse. Like, I get pretty cold easily, but I do like horses, so that was for sure my favorite. My name's Caleb Isley, and I spend a lot of time on the internet um, posting things and looking at graphs and watching numbers go up, hopefully. Uh, and my favorite... Have you seen that great uh, remake of the uh, Look at This Photograph song? I've seen so many. Oh, okay. Remake? <laughs> Look at this graph. Yes. yes. <laughs> Rest in peace, Vine. Oh. Uh, I've also been spending a lot of time training an elite p- team of Pokemon mm. uh, in the new Pokemon game. Pretty competitive. Mm. No, I'm not. I'm, t- I'm not that great. <laughs> I do like it. I was like, wow, uh, <laughs> I knew you liked Pokemon. I didn't know <laughs> you were into it quite that much. I'm pretty into it. My dad told me when I was young, this is just a phase, and I've been trying to prove him wrong my whole life. <laughs> uh, my favorite elemental spirit was also the horse. Uh, I do not love horses in real life. <gasps> 
<laughs> but I do love uh, just watching the character wrestle with something and overcome something and then, you know, come out yes. with something new and a new relationship. And I thought that was awesome graphically, visually, everything. So the horse. Well, and I have to say, too, it's kind of true to real life because my horse, who passed away a few years ago, when I first got him... There was about six months where we, our personalities were not meshing. It took a long time and it took a lot of work. And then finally, like we hit this stride and then we were like on the same page forever. And that's exactly kind of what happened in the movie. So it's accurate. That's so cute though. Well, I'm Lisa. Um, Isley, I suppose, since you all say the last name. Uh, (laughs) I'm married to Caleb. Um, I also spend have been spending a lot of my time lately with Pokemon since we both got it. Mm. And yeah, it's been fun. Um, Also been spending most of my time uh, looking for a job. (laughs) Uh. That's great. Fun stuff, you know, and dealing with, um, you know, the usual millennial things with uh, student loans and all that so fun things fun things hashtag relatable yeah uh but my favorite elemental spirit would probably have to be the fire spirit and the little salamander because he's adorable so cute (laughs) and he has a feisty personality and i love that in people well from far away but <laughs> from afar. Um, it's good to be friends with people who are feisty exactly yes but you don't you know want to be being caught on fire yeah exactly you know you just you have a limit yeah that you can spend time with them but it's always a good time but it's like elsa she just became friends with the fire salamander and yeah. then it was all good yeah as long Great. as you can cool them off yeah then, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah as long as you can keep them from burning the worst, down the forest, the worst side good. eye right now. <laughs> 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 so as we're talking about Frozen 2, I need to just make a quick disclaimer. Uh, if you are spoiler averse, you should stop right now. Because not only will we talk about elemental spirits, but we will talk about many other things from Frozen 2. So... Go watch it. Come back. We'll dive in. Heather, what's this movie? What's it about? Okay, so I'm going to read the logline from the Internet Movie Database, also known as IMDb, which you should totally check out if you don't know about it. Um, so the logline is Anna or Anna? It's probably Anna. Anna. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa, for, for setting you. me straight. Uh, Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, Olaf, and Sven leave Arendelle <laughs> we were trying to remember the name of the town earlier Arendelle to we tra- are true professionals yes <laughs> <laughs> um, so they leave Arendelle, Arendelle to travel to an ancient autumn bound forest of an enchanted land magical they set out to find the origin of Elsa's powers in order to save their kingdom and that's all I'm going to say about it, because if you're listening, you've probably seen it already. Okay. Oh, actually, it's rated PG, in case that matters to you. Um, and as far as, like, content, uh, the movie is pretty chill. It is a it is a children's movie. Um, but if you have questions about some of the content, check out the Parents Guide on IMDb. Yeah. 
So that's the movie in a nutshell. All of us went and saw it in theater. And uh, as you came out of the theater, what was what was on your mind? What were your first impressions from Frozen 2? Oh, boy. There are so many. There is just full of great things that happened all throughout. Um, I think mostly just how everybody had their own arc and how they went through that. And I really enjoyed the development that they had. Yeah. yeah. Even some of the like tertiary characters yeah. had arcs, which is something that I really appreciated. And I really, I really want to use the word tertiary more frequently in my conversations. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. What's the next level after tertiary? Quad... Quadriary. Um, Quadriary sounds Qua- right. Quad. No, I, was I, say, I don't think it is. Quadrinary. <laughs> that Qua- sounds like veterinary. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Caleb was going to say something. We're going to count on our fans I, to fill that in for us. I think I just left the the theater feeling proud, like mm. of the characters, and I know they're not <laughs> real, but they're stand-ins for real people in many ways. I think, and just proud and hopeful that the the messaging like anyone cared enough to put the things that they did in this movie mm-hmm. and just i guess hopeful that a new generation of kids watching this and whoever went with them or whoever went themselves like we did <laughs> <laughs> you know is 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 spending their time and money um on uh meaningful messages yeah yeah we did watch frozen 2 in a theater where it was just another couple of young adults ourselves and then like right at the start of the movie what was it like two people three people came in the back and were there so it was it was a, a yeah, was raucous like and uproarious event six for of us. us in the theater it was it was so epic and great that sounds amazing it's essentially a home theater except so much more legit <laughs> my my first impressions uh was that the the film it it I actually just felt odd coming out of it like ODD um versus AWED Is there another odd oh okay. Yeah <laughs> Like not like in awe but like oh that was weird like because I I feel like the movie is exceptional in um like I just haven't seen Disney do villainless uh films mm-hmm. and so I was I was just like like this is it just felt weird to me honestly that was my first impression that it was it was just so so weird and it's it's been kind of a um uh it's it's grown on me but that was my first impression yeah i lost whatever i was going to say oh no <laughs> because i was so mesmerized by what you were saying you were um, odd yeah i was odd <laughs> the other awe um yeah i i think that i was excited to see like an important and nuanced message being put in what is arguably like one of the biggest Disney movies that has come out in recent years. I mean, Frozen, the first one was so big and mm-hmm. it made so much money and it's, uh, you know, one of Disney's kind of like jewels now <laughs> and in this decade. It was so yeah, successful and it really? resonated mm-hmm. with so many. I mean, that came out in like what 2014 
And and how many yeah. people have been singing Do You Want to Build a Snowman <laughs> ever since? Go. Yeah. Or Let It Go. Yeah. Well, and like we'll interact with kids who were like barely alive when the movie came out or maybe it came out in 2016. But um, they have like Elsa and Anna dolls mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, so like people were excited for this and they put a message in it that was really important and powerful um, it did feel like a little weird not fitting the normal pattern where there is like this clear, you know, scary villain that's like, you know, right on their tail or whatever. But it almost felt like more to true life because mm-hmm. we don't actually usually eh, sometimes we do have, like, <laughs> big clear villains. But in our day to day lives, you know, our villain is more likely sometimes ourselves and yeah. what we're limiting ourselves to understand or to do or you know we're enabling things that come from us like uh you know depression or anxiety to kind of limit our lives and so it felt i don't know it felt like for grown-ups too in a way that Mm. i think was really cool so that was Mm -hmm. kind of my first impression well and that's i think that that's very apropos because your first impression really is a great segue into our next segment on the podcast, our big ideas segment. And uh, uh, Caleb, tell us a little bit about your big idea. What's one of the things that you came out just really uh, deliberating about? I I think maybe I missed a lot of details in this movie because I was so focused on one uh, thread throughout it. And it is the thread of... Uh, discovering that your own family has been the villain in the past, or Mm. you are um, part of a story that uh, other people might see very differently than the way you were told. Mm -hmm. And just kind of watching that play out and watching um, what the characters did with that information once they got it uh, was, I mean, I was very, very focused on like how that would come out. I, all of the, Amazing cinematography and everything was great, but my mind was there. And where where did you kind of see that most? Like like where did you see that developing this theme? When I think isn't it in Ice where Elsa starts seeing the like true life depictions of the, what really mm-hmm. happened kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I think maybe we started it with the story that they're told as children. Hmm. Um, where it's like, this is what happened. This is how our family was hurt by this event. We are the victim of something awful. Mm -hmm. And so these children are raised and grow into influential people in their world. I mean, arguably some of the most influential people in their world. Mm -hmm. Running the kingdom. Yeah, Yeah. with this understanding. So they have the power to uh, act on their own understanding with force, with, you know, social influence, all these different things. And so the stakes are really high for your average person. If you, you go down to the commoner in any area of this world, they're affected by how their leader views the world. And so kind of watching this play out, and I think, I think what was important to me was once they kind of understood the truth, um, they were willing to actually um, sacrifice something in order to make it right, they were willing to actually confront their own um, rewards that they had gotten off of this. They were willing to um, just own this and go against even their own blood and history. Well, in order and to Anna, make it right. she <clears throat> didn't 
know. I mean, in the end, Elsa goes and she saves mm-hmm. Arendelle. Mm-hmm. But Anna didn't know that when she was like, we need to destroy the dam. Mm-hmm. But she did know that Arendelle was going to be destroyed. And so she really was like doing what is right and making this right is more important than preserving mm-hmm. this kind of lifestyle or this mm-hmm. legacy that my people have. Yeah. And that is, that's very hard to do in real life, um, but it's really necessary. But it's so hard to actually be like, yeah, I'm going to give up like this thing for just the purpose of making something right that had been wronged. I think mm-hmm. this is this is going to sound bad, but uh, one of the most disappointing parts of the movie for me was that they saved Arendelle. Um, the fact that there weren't actual um, destructive consequences, that they didn't give up in the end what they had, and they kind of did emerge the hero. Um, I understand why that might be appropriate for a movie that's shown to a lot of children and everything. But at the same time, the lesson that and the experience I was going through as the viewer um, was, oh, shoot, they're willing to give up their literal home, their power, their everything, because they realized that this was gained by harming Mm -hmm. another person. But I also don't think that that lesson was lost. You Mm -hmm. know, it's they were still very much willing to give that up. And they did. Mm -hmm. They did. And on a like again, she didn't know, and she still didn't know after she did it. Yeah, at all. Like it wasn't like she didn't see it happen. She still thought that the town was destroyed, and she thought Elsa was dead too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I do really like that point, though, Caleb. That they that they didn't end up, you know, because maybe they didn't want to destroy the city that people had grown attached to or something. But you know, I think that they could have managed tone fairly well and and gone straight to a rebuilding uh you know rebuilding narrative you know kind of one of these you know we're what do you what do you call those things you know when it goes when it flies through really quick a montage a montage (laughs) a building montage a closing like building montage like that Mm -hmm. totally could have happened and so like you're still kind of on an upswing but but kind of that like, yeah, really tough stuff does happen in life and you're not able to keep everything that you've always had. Well, and for, you know, when we're talking about systems of power that need to be dismantled, um, you know, whatever that is, it requires someone to give up something like in real life in order for a wrong to be made right. So, for example... You know, if you are an employee at a company and you see and you're a male employee and you see a female employee being harassed, but the female employee does not, uh, you know, feel safe to come forward, you have to decide, well, am I going to defend her? Am I going to support her? Am I mm-hmm. going to say, oh, yeah, I saw that, too, um, which could get you in trouble, which could uh, give you a bad you know, reputation with your friends or whatever. And we see all these systems kind of, of like that has systems of oppression and baggage that we have in so many areas of our society, whether it's gender or race or uh, nationality or class. And it does require that someone does give something up. You know, even for something as simple as 
Um, you know, I am someone who lives in a home. If I see someone who is experiencing homelessness, if I stop and have a conversation with them, mm-hmm. that's me letting go of something, which is my time and my energy. If I, you know, give them money or take them out to eat or something like that, that's me giving up something. If I say, come stay in my house, that's me giving up something. And so for us to tear down walls, it does require us to lose something. And so I agree. That's something that I was kind of surprised that they saved Arendelle. Um, and I suppose you're right. It's probably because it's a children's movie and maybe a lot of kids would have been like devastated <laughs> seeing like, ah, your home <laughs> is destroyed. Um, but, you know, in real life, often for us to make things equal we do have to give something up in a way that might hurt us a little bit or a lot Mm -hmm. yeah it was kind of weird the way they set it up because they did set it up for it to be destroyed like they got everybody out of Arendelle and yeah they were very much setting up for it to be destroyed completely. Like no and one would have died. Yeah, no one destroyed yeah. it. <laughs> no loss of life. Yeah. Yeah. So that is really odd. But it was cool seeing um, Elsa just stop yeah. this giant wave of water, which I'm still confused as to where all the water went. Yes. <laughs> so giant. <laughs> so let's so, just divert it. Yeah. And the, <laughs> but, and but to where? Yeah. <laughs> kind of in like a like a story, like a storytelling you know, be something that's uh, like I used to role play with my sister when I was young. And one of the things that we would get really frustrated with is this thing that, that she would call God moding. You know, when you, when you're role playing, it's, it's, you know, so essentially you're just like writing stories together. Mm -hmm. Right. And this was in the online context. It was a chat room. So you like write your section and then someone builds on it and builds on it. And, Mm -hmm. and of course, when you're in a, in a community like this and you're in some fantastic world of some kind, you know, like you can, you can supercharge your character. And that's something that I, that I just see in Elsa, you know, at the close of this movie, like, like there is no, uh, it seems like there's just like no challenge for her anymore. Like, like she just solves everything. Like if she hadn't have been able to like save Arendelle, but then was like, well, we'll rebuild. Like Mm -hmm. that's a Mm. more of a real person who's like, we tried, but like the leadership is not in her power. The leadership is like in her leading. Yeah. Yeah. But now she's, she's this, even even if Elsa would have sacrificed her newfound power to solve that and save the the people or something, where at the end she leaves marked somehow, or the yeah. her her mm-hmm. power or influence or, or privilege is something is, is diminished. Yeah, that would have changed this from a very good movie to one of my top movies. Yeah, mm. yeah, cool. Yeah, that makes sense, and that goes along with trying having to give up something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Because all of these characters kind of came out of this experience. Like they learned something, but they were unmarked, I guess, kind of like what you were saying. And that's just not, that's not how it goes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Man, this, uh, this concept of being really, being really willing to confront 
um, even the dark sides of yourself, the, um, the unknown sides of yourself, really, Caleb, that you bring up kind of speaks, I think, to um, the big idea for me and what really jumped out at me, which was um, the, the hero's quest, right, that Elsa ends up going on. Mm-hmm. And obviously in my uh, line of work, one of the things that we talk about a lot, one of the things that we think about a lot uh, is this word called calling um and anyone who's who's thinking about their vocation whether they're coming from a a super you know god is sort of space or or a more humanistic one you know this idea of like what what am i meant to do what is what is the call what is the next step um we we end up thinking about this as humans and so i was i've just been left with this question of when do you follow a mysterious voice into the night when when do you in the midst of your comfortable castle in the midst of the the things that you know the family you're familiar with the the community the everything when do you follow a mysterious voice into the night and when shouldn't you you know how do you how do you navigate that because i I think there's a little bit of of both there's there's a um there's a there's a benefit to optimism and and adventurousness and then there's also there's naivety and Mm. um making mistakes that ultimately harm you and others in in irreparable ways this is such a johnny concept and i love it (laughs) uh yeah i'm not sure how you would navigate that because there's definitely um self-destructive ways or ideas of to do of doing that of being adventurous or you know or basically instead of growing yourself you are doing it to escape your current situation Mm -hmm. instead of facing it i think that that's something that's kind of expressed in with um elsa though and she was comfortable she was she had all the people that she loved right there you know, and she had just had her big adventure, as she says in her song, you know. Uh, So I don't think that she was trying to escape any sort of situation there either. Although, of course, she's not, she didn't feel as though she was quite called to be queen. However, I think that's different. She she didn't have that calling, you know. Yeah, like she wasn't running away from that, like in an obvious way. And I don't Mm -hmm. think she was meant to or anything. The voice called out to her and that's the only reason why she even considered I don't know it like kind of jolted her out of her current life but if it weren't for that like she wasn't looking to run away from Mm -hmm. anything or seek a new adventure yeah which is the opposite of the first movie where she was running away from her powers yeah Mm. and then she kind of found a safe space for herself but then it ended up being destructive you know yeah yeah anyway interesting go ahead johnny so so a couple (laughs) things and maybe as my i mean i've been considering this quite a bit but like one thing i was like i'm so i'm so glad that this is frozen two and not it chapter two (laughs) (laughs) because when you follow a voice into the night in it chapter two don't do that things don't go well for you you know um and so that's that's just one that was that's been humorous to me. Yes, to those are some major contrasts there. 
You shouldn't always follow yeah. the strange voice. <laughs> this is this is a framework that was so heavy on my growing up experience. Um, it, everything, literally everything, was categorized into God is pulling you to Him, or the devil or evil is luring you. Yes. Right, and and there were specific categories for what was what. Uh, secular music, for example, anything that did not literally tie itself to Christianity uh, was viewed as uh, basically a devil's tool yeah. to, to lead you to him. And so it's it's really interesting, um, you know, thinking about from that, that context of like, I guess, examining not only your motivations, but also like uh, potential dangers, but also the danger of, of not listening, hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I, I was presented with the danger of listening to a bad voice, but I never really confronted the the idea of not listening to something that could grow you. Yeah. So, you know, in, in Elsa's case, this would be the difference of in never finding out her past, never righting the wrongs of her past, mm-hmm. like staying comfortable, mm-hmm. erring on the side of being comfortable. Never knowing the legacy yeah the true legacy of her you know grandfather and 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 almost like using comfort as an excuse to never um i guess go back and right those wrongs never actually uh grow morally and spiritually Mm -hmm. um and and i think you know if, if elsa had maybe asked your average person in her kingdom do I follow this voice out of my town into this magical <laughs> enchanted forest? Yeah. No. Yeah. The answer is no. Stay here. You can't be called to do that because that's dangerous. Obviously not a good voice. Right. Well, and I'm sure too after she, you know, sings back to the voice and then those like diamond shaped things float around mm. and then they fall and then that's when Arendelle gets this wave of weird like all the lights go off and the cobblestones are moving and stuff. I'm sure that everyone, and I think in the movie they were, they were like, uh, bad idea, Elsa. Like, you are mm-hmm. obviously playing with fire here. Like, what are you doing? But it wound up being... I mean, she literally did she play literally with fire. fire. <laughs> but it wound up being, you know, good for her personal journey, but also important for essentially the the souls of the people of Arendelle mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. souls of the indigenous people who lived in the forest, like to right wrongs and reconnect them. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I think sometimes we get really uncomfortable when we kind of hear that voice, like do this thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we look at the figurative like cobblestones moving and we're like, oh, this is obviously bad. But if we work through it, sometimes the outcome is actually exactly what we're supposed to do. Another lesson to be learned from that, too, is when you do follow your calling, you are going to have people who care about you tell you that it's wrong for mm. you to follow yeah. it. Um, and they're coming from it from a place of love and of wanting to keep you safe but that's not always the right course of action you know and Mm. and i think that was really well portrayed with um elsa and anna's relationship although um anna at the end of it she was like okay this is where you're gonna go i'm gonna support you i'm gonna help you out but we're gonna do it together and then at some point you know elsa's like no i need to do this by myself Mm -hmm. and so i really really enjoyed that dynamic yeah Oh, I want to I want to dive into your big idea too, <laughs> but I just want to ask I want to ask one more question to make this um uh 
little more practical on on this one um so obviously i mean for me it's it's probably been at least you know three weeks or so Mm -hmm. you know since i woke up and i heard a a booming voice you know calling me somewhere and i I began singing to it and i wandered across (laughs) portland you know um for most of us we don't literally have mysterious voices calling us in the night like so what like what are these what are these callings what what are these what are these things that like what might be one of those mysterious voices that we would choose to or not to follow and and you could pull from you know life experience or or you know kind of stories but that's like yeah. a million dollar question yeah i i mean the the one that jumps into my mind is is the uh you know in my context it's it's a question of pastoral placement you know, what am I called to this church? Am I called to that church? Um, or I know, you know, you guys, the Isleys, you know, made a choice to move from the East coast to the Pacific Northwest. You know, there was a, there was an invitation, there was a call in that. So like the job change, the, the moving, the geographical change, you know, those are, those are two examples that I think are pretty, that's accessible. That's relatable for us. I think a calling can work situationally and and specifically for me God's calling can work situationally where th- th- even just the job that brought me here I turned it down. I tried a lot of other things, applied to a lot of other places that logically made sense and all of the steps were in place for them to make sense and just it was very obviously closed down in my face. And <laughs> this was very obviously opened when it should have been impossible to get here mm. in our, mm. our socioeconomic situation. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Our car. Our car. <laughs> Which miraculously you still have. Yes. Somehow right it's still <laughs> running. I'm very <laughs> impressed. Um, but, but it was actually surprising to me how clearly it seemed that there was a higher power orchestrating. This is what you are supposed to do because mm. I tried many different ways to do something else and this is what persisted yeah and i think the uh the driving factor for you resisting was fear mm-hmm. and just not knowing how to do it you know instead of trusting that there was a plan all along to get us here yeah yeah i think a separate way of handling a calling that was <laughs> kind of uh, bad on my part, the way I did it anyway. Um, so I don't know if any of you guys experienced this, but when as you're growing up and you're going through school and you are labeled as a gifted person, mm-hmm. you know, um, it kind of gives you this uh, perspective in life of like you're supposed to do some grand thing. And so like you... Uh, start thinking of more along the lines of getting a job in something more prestigious, like a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, something that is socially uh, viewed, you know, highly. Um, And so in college, I went uh, for a public health major. And I, at first, it was really interesting because before I even chose my major, I was going for a biology you know a degree to go into the medical field somewhere yeah you know and then I was like well no let's do public health because I feel like it would be a lot more personal for Mm -hmm. people right uh and so 
I did this and then I lost my weight <laughs> again and focused more on the research end of things mm-hmm. because I wanted people to view me highly and more uh, I don't know even more educated somehow yeah, I don't know yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and that ended up coming back and biting me in the butt really bad <laughs> because you know by the end of it uh I just realized that I hated it yeah terribly mm. and I that was like my lowest grade that I've ever got mm. is on the research design class um and so it just kind of like took some time to like get into terms with that and to just realize that that is not what society tells you you should be is not necessarily your calling sometimes it will lines up fine yeah but not always and mm. just kind of being okay to be different i don't know if that makes sense but yeah yes. yeah i like that <laughs> something that ties into what both of you said is so in story structure particularly when we're talking about films or television Um, It's usually like three acts. And in the first act, there's some really important stuff that happens. First, there's a setup. We get to know the character a little bit. We see what their normal life is like. Sometimes their life is great. Sometimes it's not. It depends on the story. Um, But at some point in act one, there's something called an inciting incident. And the inciting incident kind of changes things. Mm. So... It introduces a new idea, it introduces a possibility or an opportunity, and usually after that, the character resists whatever this opportunity is. But the thing that makes the movie really kick off, and it's called Breaking into Act 2, is that the character's kind of forced into it. Mm-hmm. And I found that in real life that also happens so like Caleb what you were just talking about where the inciting incident was maybe someone called you from where you're working now and said hey we have this opportunity and you're like oh moving across the country that's ridiculous Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that can't happen so that's your inciting incident but then you are like trying to resist it and you're like I'm going to try these other things and all those doors kind of like slam in your face Mm -hmm. and then I don't know maybe they called you again and then you were like okay maybe this is what I'm supposed to do or maybe you reached out to them then but that was breaking into your act too in this story and that's exactly what happened also with with Elsa she hears the voice you know she's just going life is great Anna and Kristoff are happy life is good and then she hears his voice and that's the inciting incident and like all of a sudden her life is different Mm. and then she you know causes all this havoc by like singing back to the voice and then because Arendelle is kind of in chaos they're forced into going on this journey and so I just thought that was interesting that when you guys were talking about I mean both of your stories that you just shared like it's kind of very similar to that so like you were like no I'm gonna do research (laughs) but then you were like I hated this so you're kind of forced into focusing on other parts of the public health Mm -hmm. and um I I do think that that can be a helpful way to figure out what direction to go to in life is you know what doors are opening in what ways and like what am I being pushed towards Hmm. or pulled towards as you guys shared too, I, I thought of, you know, a few other things that could be callings. Um, 
you know, maybe the, the decision, you know, to have, to bring more lives into the world, um, or to adopt or to foster, um, the, the decision to, to take on a big project, uh, you know, decisions to, um, to really invest in new relationships, Mm -hmm. um, that these are all, these are all mysterious voices in the night and, Mm. and that task of discerning when, when to follow that voice. That's one of the greatest challenges. And I think opportunities of human existence. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) Lisa, big idea. So as I mentioned before, uh, something that I really enjoyed was how, um, every character had an arc, right? And I, my favorite, even though like Elsa's is great, was Anna's journey. You know, I think she was uh, definitely a really big driving uh, force into the, everything that happened, I mean, even more than Elsa. Uh, I mean, I guess Elsa started it, but Anna finished it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, but also in just Anna's uh, journey emotionally as well, uh, and especially yeah. in the way that she uh, dealt with grief when she thought that Elsa was dead and then losing um, Olaf right in front of Ugh. her eyes, which was so heartbreaking. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember if I cried, but I definitely teared up. Like, yeah. that, I just felt that. Yeah, and, you know, her song, uh, the do the next right thing um that really hit home you know and just the way that she dealt with it uh she you know she cried and it was a very dark song honestly for a children's uh you know movie i thought very raw yeah uh but i loved it because i think that a lot of children uh just need to be shown that it's okay to feel sad yes you know it's okay to process your grief and to not hide that. Mm. Um, but then also just uh, moving on from that, you know, not staying there and mm. doing the next right thing, which I absolutely love. And Kristen Bell is fantastic for doing that. Um, yes. Yeah, because I don't know if you heard, uh, but the phrase do the next right thing um, actually came from Kristen Bell herself. This is something that she uh, a mantra of, that she goes. Oh, I didn't know of that. Hers. Yeah, That's so cool. And uh, she definitely had a big part in designing and you know composing the song and all of this stuff yeah. too. Mm. Um, and so I just really, really love that because I feel like this should have come out a long time ago. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, yes, <laughs> for a lot of people to see um, because it's it's so simple but great. Yeah, and yeah. it's applicable for our personal lives yeah. as well as, um, you know, like what Caleb brought up earlier when we have this, like, generational baggage and brokenness and mm-hmm. harm that people in our past have caused other people and, you know, we're living in these systems. This idea of do the next right thing is so important. Yeah. And I love that, that it applies very personally but also societally and systemically Mm -hmm. and I feel like it shows um I don't know it shows great initiative in Anna's part because even though she was in the midst of dealing with her own issues um and her own loss that she was still willing to help the people that um 
were wronged mm-hmm. by her family in the yes. past or you know um it's not you know it's not putting people in a pedestal um and not saying like oh you know you're you have no issues so you should be okay to you know i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> so basically it, it humanizes people yeah it uh it just makes it more a lot more that more realistic yeah like yeah it's- as you as you brought that up, something that that really struck me as you talk about Anna's process, like, um, and something because it's just been a part of my narrative so much is, like, I, I struggle to differentiate like love and codependence, mm-hmm. um, and I think that, you know, Anna's character, like, I I'm uncomfortable with her <laughs> in the first part, like, like I'm like like you are like so like controllingly like clingy like Mm -hmm. you like your sister can't go to the bathroom like without your permission like is like is almost how and i know that that's that's not that's definitely an exaggeration you know but but it's like like you're just like so there and it's and it's hard for me to sometimes discern like what is what is the difference between you know just being totally um you know, emotionally entangled Mm -hmm. and then really caring about somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and one of the things that I like about that, that moment, you know, when she, you know, is faced with this loss and when she is like, I I feel like they navigate that. She navigates that as a character really well Mm -hmm. in like, um, like I am like, I care deeply but I'm moving forward. My life is not defined mm-hmm. only and entirely by somebody else. Like I am going to take control of my destiny in, in some way, in some little step out of the darkness, Yeah, you know, for, for the good of, of the world. It's interesting that you mentioned codependency because that's something else that Kristen Bell has talked about with um, Elsa's character um, that she struggles with herself. Um, and, that's also something that she kind of brought in specifically for Anna to grow through. And, um, you know, and that makes total sense, even with her background and everything, it makes sense for her to be so almost controlling of Elsa. You know, she were basically, you know, separated all day. They were estranged. Yeah. And so now it's just like, this door was broken. Now we need to be like this. Yeah. Not, Lisa's hands are really close yes. together right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so it makes definitely a lot of sense. And I love that they worked through that and, you know, kind of built off of that. And it makes a lot of sense in dealing with um, the aftermath of traumatic events like that. Yeah. Now that you guys are talking about codependency, like I see it a lot clearer in mm-hmm. Anna and just the the power of her working through her grief and then like I'm going to do the next right thing and like continue our work and stuff Mm -hmm. like that they wrote that very well like that was pivotal like because Elsa died she was able to differentiate or she thought Elsa died Elsa doesn't die (laughs) spoilers (laughs) um like she she was able to differentiate and um, that kind of paves the way for, at the end of the movie, for Anna to be queen of mm-hmm. Arendelle and then Elsa to stay back in the forest. Like, 
they're still mm. sisters and they love each other and they're bonded, but they're able to, you know, exist not just always i don't know stick being clingy with each other and like being overprotective of each other yeah they yeah. develop their own individuality yeah anna anna sends that letter inviting elsa over and yeah. i expected elsa to come back to the cat like mm. like okay it's dinner time family time but instead she like rushes off into the wilderness like that's the end yeah yeah it, I, I, one thing I appreciated so much was that this scene of her going through this grief and then going into that song of the next right thing is, um, we kind of come from this bird's eye superpower view with Elsa where it's like, okay, well, yeah, if I had super strength, I could solve these problems. Or if I had these things, I, w- I could do these things. But with Anna, she really is such a close to the to the average experience kind of thing where yeah. she has the, some of the least power, um, like physically, like she's a normal person who can die if a rock hits her, Yeah, you know, and she's rushing into these situations created by all these other powerful forces all around her. Having giants throw rocks at her. Abs- yeah. <laughs> and, and it feels like if one of those rocks hits her, <laughs> she will die. Like you're very aware of the yes. danger of that situation where she has absolutely nothing that can make this not kill her. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that as a just normal human being watching the movie, I think it was so powerful because um, sometimes you don't have a big thing that you can do. You don't have uh, any kind of weighty something, problem-solving skill. Mm. It's just, okay, here's what I've got, and here's how to make the best of it. And here's what I've got now, and mm. here's how to make the best of it. Yeah. And and especially, you know, yeah, any anyone who's felt that just almost helplessness in life where you have all these situations around you, you didn't decide them, but you have to decide how to live in them. Mm. Um just figuring out okay here's what my options are and i will go for the best i will go for the almost impossibly good yeah whether i fail or die or not you know she ends up i mean arguably the biggest hero of this story yeah just by every situation doing her absolute best and not giving up over and over and over until something great happens that's true Mm -hmm. i really love that because in this movie elsa you know, she does a little bit of legwork up front and goes mm-hmm. to like the ice place to find out the history or whatever, but then she's frozen. Like she's yeah. done. And so all of the events that happen in the last like like the final act of the movie are like Anna getting stuff done because like she's the only one that can, even though she doesn't have the powers. It's like she has the like she knows what needs to get done. Mm. Heather, you have a big idea as well, and I I think that's about yet another intriguing character in the Frozen 2 saga. Yes, saga. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I just remembered. I was going to (laughs) say in my last thing, it's interesting that Anna is the one who's, like, getting frozen in the first movie because, like, her heart is getting frozen, and then Elsa is frozen in the second movie, so they switch. Yes, true. They kind of switch roles. Ooh. Um, Christoph is next. Yeah, Christoph. <laughs> A great reversal. Frozen three. Um, so speaking of Christoph, yes, my uh, uh, big idea is I just think that Christoph is like a really great character because, um, I mean, he is kind of this like big kind of beefcake of a guy, but he is very 
much like in his head when it comes to relationships and like oh like how do I propose to Anna like he's so worried about these things oh they're going through this thing how can I support her like he's just so like engaged in that part like he he's not trying to like he doesn't try to solve all of Elsa and Anna's problems even though he loves Anna and I'm sure that if he could he would but I just loved his song where you know he's talking about being lost in the woods and I mean besides it being a great like 80s style ballad which was so satisfying like in the theater that we were in uh where there was just like six of us our laughs like echoed oh yeah so much so I didn't even like pay attention to a lot of the lyrics in the song because I was like just dying um but it's just like very kind of like emotional like I'm puzzled song and um I don't know I just think Kristoff's like the type of masculinity that he presents is like really interesting and not one that we always see in movies in particular like Disney type movies in the past where we've had like princes who are like totally aloof and they have no like character at all (laughs) or you know things like that and I I appreciate that about him I actually think that Kristoff was the princess of this movie. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That totally makes sense. <laughs> because he's like focused only on, you know, Anna and their relationship and it's all romantic. Marriage. In marriage. Yeah, yes. he's like he's like, I gotta propose, I gotta propose, yes. it's gotta be special. And she's like not even thinking about that yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that so much. Oh, that's great. I love that. Kind of contradicts what I was gonna say. But that's all right. I really like that observation. (laughs) I really, I really like that a lot. Yeah, but I was, I was just thinking that I, I like how Kristoff is. um, I like the word that you use, puzzled, in that song. Um, It seems like there's kind of like two different kind of men that we see most of the time. We see like the Homer Simpson, like, the fool, Mm -hmm. you know who doesn't know how to do relationships, who doesn't know like really how to do life and yet kind of bumbles his way through. The Um, doofus dad. The doofus dad. Yeah. The doofus dad trope. And then the like super, you know, like I've got everything figured out. The James Bond, Mm -hmm. you know, the suave, the action oriented, the make it happen, get, get it done. Um, and, um, the one, uh, the first doesn't have any depth, the doofus dad. And the second um, is just so far removed from humanity. You know, it's not what my experience is. No but flaws. This, but this, but this uh, like puzzlement, you know, this, this confusion, like, <laughs> like I really, I really love that um, about his character and that it's not, it's not puzzlement without action or without wisdom. It's just sincere, like, confusion because we all face it sometimes well and one thing i like about Kristoff is at least in this movie i don't really remember the first movie <laughs> but he like i don't think there's ever a time when he's like no anna step aside let me protect you mm-hmm. like he does he when she's like running through the forest when it's on fire he like picks her up but it feels much more like they're a team and they're mm-hmm. equals versus like let me rescue you let me protect you and um you know in the end sequence with the dam and she's like trying to get the giants to throw stuff at the dam like he doesn't try to intervene and be like no anna don't and 
um yeah i i just think that's really refreshing he's a man who can let a woman be strong yeah, yeah. I think that's that's something that i was inspired like i i was watching him like i want to be like that where he is fully willing to let the women around him be the expert like yeah not not let them but he he understands that they are well and it's not mm-hmm. he his ego doesn't take a hit from it yeah yeah I mean, very obviously, like in this situation you're talking about, Anna knows what's going on. He does not. Yeah. She has a plan. She's doing something. He can participate, but she knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah, Elsa, he supports stuff. Yeah. Elsa, very obviously powerful in society and otherwise with yeah. abilities. Like there's no competitive nature there. He just recognizes the truth and is good with that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it, it definitely gave me a lot to think about. Um, just in life. Everything has been said, Solomon said at the end of Ecclesiastes. (laughs) 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 Everything has not been said for us, but we come to that time when we have to sit down and reflect and ask ourselves, how has this movie impacted me? How, what, what are you going away with? What are you taking into the rest of your life? What, how's it impacted you? Um, so anybody want to jump in? One thing that was impactful for me was seeing some really positive um, indigenous representation on screen. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about the last few years. Um, our legacy uh, in the United States and uh, my an- ancestors' legacy um, in mistreating Native Americans. And this is something that we don't really talk about very much in our country and we don't really deal with. We, you know, go over the Trail of Tears in history class, but we don't really talk about what the repercussions of that and the, the tragedy of that really means for people today. We don't really consider that Native Americans are um, diverse in what they do and what they look like. Mm-hmm. And um, we have these stereotypes, these super negative stereotypes. In our media, we often only see Native representation as quote unquote savages, like in the Wild West. And it's a total stereotype and trope. And it has lasting repercussions in how we kind of view uh, native issues in this country. And so I really appreciated the the positive um, representation and the honest representation of maybe some of the dynamics between particularly European and um, white ancestors and how they severely mistreated and sometimes continue to mistreat indigenous people all around the world. And in this movie, the indigenous people who are represented were based on the Sami people who are up in like northern Finland and Norway and they're still around today um, as a lot of indigenous people are and so I just thought that was really good to see a major film um, from a huge company addressing specifically the mistreatment of indigenous people but also uh, at the in, in the end credits, it said thank you to the Sami people. And they had actually um, consulted with 
the Sami people in the making of this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a huge step forward for kind of writing this huge wrong, which I guess it can never be righted, um, but healing some of this huge wrong that all over the world um, has been committed against indigenous people. So that, that was, that was a good thing to see. That was impactful for me. Producer's note, if you would like to learn more about indigenous culture and stories in the United States and beyond, Padawatomi author and Christian Caitlin Curtis has a list of 25 books to get you started. They're all by indigenous authors. I will link to the blog post in the show notes. You should also follow her on Twitter. Um, You can find her at Caitlin Curtis. Listen and learn. She is an awesome resource. And for for me... Uh, what's impacted me the most is really the the Anna do the next right thing concept that mm-hmm. in the face of problems that you can't solve things that are things that are too big mm-hmm. um, that you don't have the power to solve um, that that you take that step and yeah that's that's been sitting with me that's impacted me Mine is very similar to yours. Um, It has more to do, though, with the feelings side of things, that it's okay to feel a certain way, um, but it's not okay to be stuck. Mm. Um, I like that. Yeah. And so it goes along with that and just do the next right thing. It's okay to feel that way. It's not okay to be stuck. That's mantraable. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm in the situation of uh, learning more and more, you touched on this a little bit, Heather, of just the truth of, uh, the legacies that I've inherited, uh, whether it's men, straight people, white people, Americans, um, you know, just about everything. I am the culmination of uh, a lot of different types of privilege. And so I think how it's inspired me is just, uh, Seeing a, a, a little ray of hope in a story that says, while you can't write the awful things that have gone on in the past, um, you can do something. And so I think that's the challenge for me in, in this story is just figuring out what each step looks like and what leads to the result of something better. Um, taking something awful and not trying to be the person who can solve all the problems, not trying to take the, the, the role of hero, but just trying to work toward the good of people who have been harmed. Yeah. Um, I think that was the biggest inspiration for me about this movie. Mm. A conviction to do the next right thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Good stuff. Good stuff. We're going to... Um, we're going to end with one of my favorite pieces, the surprise question. Yeah, I'm afraid and, of this question. <laughs> and I've been, I've been kind of bummed out as I go through this because I always come up with the surprise questions. So then I feel like this, uh, you know, like I have too much of an advantage. So today I came up with a couple surprise questions. And so we're going to do one of those. And then which one it is will even surprise me. <laughs> so uh, I'm picking a number, okay? And uh, Lisa 
is one. If you get closest to the number, we'll go for question one. Okay. Caleb, if you get closest to the number, okay. then we'll go for question two. So, uh, Heather, I'm showing Heather the number with my fingers. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. What's our range here? This is a number between one and ten. Well, you only used one hand, so it's definitely. But I, move. but I used, but I, I flashed it multiple times. Ah, <laughs> so it's okay, two. Okay, okay. It's between six and ten. What? So it's got to be between six and ten if you flashed it multiple times. <laughs> Does it though? <laughs> I'm gonna go with seven. Okay. Um. Well, that's unfortunate because my favorite number is eight, but I will pick four. Oh, and the number was four. <laughs> All right. So our surprise question is. You can make a music video as a duet with Kristoff for any song in the world. What song would you choose? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a minute. Can we do a, okay. Can we do a parody video of what does the fox say? Yes. <gasps> but with reindeer? Perfect. Yes. I'm down. <laughs> Very good. Oh, for me, it had to be something really cheesy. Oh, it got to be Queen. Does it have... This is my song. <laughs> Queen Galileo, is not cheesy. Galileo, Figaro. <laughs> um, no, but... Oh, what was that song that... Um, um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> that anime April sing on Parks and Rec. Oh, shoot. That we just watched last yeah, night? Yeah, Probably have to be that one. Man, I don't know what that was. Now it's going to itch my brain. It is. Oh, my goodness. Hold on. Anne and April sing it on Parks and Rec? Yeah. And then Donna joins in. Time after time. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Time, time after time. After time. <laughs> that would be perfect for Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm so surprised by my surprise question. I'm struggling with it. I think that I think that my go-to for any performance has to be uh, "I Want It That Away" uh, by the Backstreet Boys. I think Christoph and I could rock that. Um, what's that song that we like? So big. <laughs> Uh, uh, and you could tell everybody. Oh yeah, this is a song or whatever. Yeah, Elton John, your song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, featured in uh, Moulin Rouge. Yeah, yes. one of mm. our one of our favorites. Okay, very good. Well done, everyone. You guys rocked that surprise question. <laughs> that was that was great. Even a little classic rock to that question. Okay, I think that pretty much wraps up the episode um there's more things to talk about so if you want to join the conversation please join our facebook group we talked about it at the beginning of the episode but in case you missed it just go to facebook and search for your movie our community let us know what you thought of frozen 2 let us know what your favorite element spirit thing was and also let us know if we missed anything really cool that you picked up on in frozen 2 um remember please tell your friends about us 
rate and review us on your favored podcast listening platform and follow uh the podcast at your movie hour on twitter you can also follow me on twitter i'm at heather l moore you can follow johnny but he never uses it Mm. i don't even know what your handle is johnny w moore i think yeah at johnny w moore um caleb lisa are there any places (laughs) that people can connect with you i'm on twitter all the time uh, at Caleb Isley. I know that's very difficult to spell. K-A-L-E-B-E-I-S-E-L-E. We'll also link to it in the show notes. I also have a Twitter, but I also don't use it ever. Mm. So <laughs> That's right. Lisa and I, we're on the same page. <laughs> I think probably the best way to get a hold of me would probably be Instagram. Um, that would be at doifashi35 which is <laughs> we will link to it in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> um so after you've gone and followed all of us um please feel free to send us an email at your moviehour at gmail.com and remember check out our patreon for cool perks if you would like some and you can check out our website finally yourmoviehour.com i think for the final word today, I I need to tell you, listeners, um, in poetry from the depths of my heart, how I feel contemplating the vicious reality that it will be um, for the two weeks until we are together again. North is south, right is left when you're gone. I'm the one who sees you home, but now I'm lost in the woods. Now go do the next right thing. I don't know if anyone will find that as amusing as I did. <laughs> I spent great. I spent so long putting that together. Nobody mentioned Olaf. I know. Rest One in our- peace, Olaf. <gasps> Raised from the dead, Olaf. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> that that was like an Olaf synopsis right there too. I know. Yep. <laughs>